It's time for episode 231 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 7th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's still 30 minutes regardless of that pesky daylight saving time. Or daylight savings time if you're in the U.S. Uh, by the way, got to spring forward this Sunday, Dan, so don't forget that. I'm, I'm warming up the quads. I'm ready to jump. I'm all good. <laughs> those, for a second there, I was like, why, why are their legs involved? Uh, but it, it makes sense now. <laughs> my, my jokes are that good, Micah. They're that good. Uh, well, of course, that is my leggy co-host, Dan Morin, and uh, it, it is time to introduce our awesome guests. To my left is proprietor of Core Assistance. It is Justin Bay. Oh, wait, that's not your name. It's Justin Michael. How are you doing, Justin? Hello, everybody. I'm doing great. Great to be here. And to my left, uh, returning guest, one of our very favorites, editor at IT Pro Today and podcaster at The Incomparable, as well as many other fine pursuits, Lisa Schmeiser's back. Hi, Lisa. Hi, thank you for having me back. I love this podcast. We are always delighted to have you. Yes, we are. And we're delighted to get this show rolling. You know how it works. We've got four topics. We've got 30 minutes. And I am going to kick things off. <laughs> it's been pretty chilly around here lately. And I uh, have, I just got back my my utility bill uh, for the last month. And it was not great. It was a little high. Um, so I've since made some adjustments. Uh, I have a smart thermostat, but it is not the Nest Learning thermostat. It is uh, Ecobee's or Ecobee, depending on how you pronounce it, the thermostat. I'm curious, do you have a regular old thermostat that has the little bit of uh, mercury inside that uh, when it falls and breaks, everything goes wrong? Or do you have a newer thermostat or something in between or a smart thermostat? I'm just, I want to know about your heating and cooling because that's an interesting topic, I swear. Justin, we'll start with you. Yeah, we actually do have a first-generation Nest, and we've had it for however long it's been since they released the first-generation Nest. And uh, honestly, I mean, it, it's fine. It's great. It, it works quite well. It's nice to control it from the app, but we don't really take too much advantage of it because we live in Arizona and in Phoenix, the Phoenix area, and uh, we don't have two things here we don't have daylight savings time for one so like all the stuff you're talking about with springing forward and springing back it's like what it's just the time the time is the time mm -hmm. um but the other thing we don't have really is weather you know it's it's either <laughs> it's either warm during the winter or hot during the summer and that's pretty much it so the nest doesn't really have anything to do except stay on throughout the entire summer uh cooling the house or stay off during the winter when it's when it's fine so yeah whether or not um the new podcast that we're doing uh so i have i you know justin said he's got a first generation nest thermostat i think i just have a first generation thermostat <laughs> um <laughs> uh, it's been the same since i moved uh, in that's that's not entirely true like my my landlord so i live in an apartment my landlord put in uh, a thermostat right before i think i moved in um and it's 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 pseudo programmable which is to say down if i go down to the basement where the actual like 
furnace is or whatever like there's a programmable panel on there but it's kind of abstruse and arcane in terms of the way that it works i don't actually know like i have to ask him to like change schedules and stuff all i really have in my apartment is like like a couple buttons where i can change it from like day settings to night settings and where i can adjust the temperature but all the like raising and lowering of the temperatures all happens elsewhere uh so I'm not super happy with this step, but it really wasn't up to me, and I can't actually replace it, so I'm kind of just stuck with it. But I was just visiting Seattle. My friend there had a nest, which looked really cool, and I was a little bit jealous of it. Um, but then again, my uh, you know my thermostat, like a weird software update, doesn't mean that I lose all my heat. So I guess I got mm-hmm. that going for me, which is nice. Yeah. So, Micah... Hot water bottle. Get a hot water bottle. You can turn down your heat. I'm serious. Yeah, These things awesome. are amazing. Awesome. Yeah, because you just slip them into your bed like 15, 20 minutes before you go to bed. Your bed is warmed up at the bottom, and it keeps its heat for 12 hours. It's amazing. Uh, uh, oh. I live in I live in the Balmy Bay area, so we actually don't have air conditioning since we're close enough to the water to not need it for most weeks of the year. And to be honest, most of the time I turn off the heat at night because the house only gets down to like 60, so that's fine. Um I know there's people in New England who are like, 60, what are you, some kind of spendthrift? We have one of the, uh, I want to say old school programmable thermostats where the heat comes on for a little bit and uh, gently coasts to a stop in our ancient HVAC system. I am not a fan of smart home thermostats because I am not a fan of any device that is going to take data about uh, my climate control or me in general and send it back to a giant opaque mothership and not tell me how long that data is being stored, how that data may may or may not be tied to my personal identity or my physical location, who that data is being sold to or how that data is being used. So unless and until these device manufacturers are actually really transparent about the data or allow me to edit what's being recorded and stored, I'm probably not going to jump on board. Uh Uh-oh. Those are all fantastic answers. As I mentioned, I have uh, an Ecobee 4, Mm -hmm. I think is what we're at now. I really like it because it has little sensors for each individual room that you want to put it in. And so it sort of uses all of those to determine an average temperature and uses that as the target range. But uh, if you end up cranking the heat uh, for a small period of time and forget to change that back to the normal time, then you run into an issue where you're spending a lot more money. Uh, <laughs> so thank you all for your answers on that. Let's move on to Justin's topic. Okay, so on Monday, Washington became the first state to pass their own net neutrality law that essentially reinstates the net neutrality rules the FCC repealed in December. And these are the rules that prevent ISPs from manipulating traffic based on the sites and services that people access. And currently, there are, there are at least 25 other states considering their own net neutrality laws. My question for all of you is, do you think all 50 states will eventually pass their own net neutrality laws? Will the FCC end up reinstating net neutrality nationwide? Or will we end up with some kind of fragmented landscape with only some states having laws like this one? And, and what are you hoping for? What are you hoping the outcome will be? Yeah, well, that's good that you made a distinction between hoping and what we think will happen, because I think those are two (laughs) very different things. Obviously, I would hope that the federal government would reinstate net neutrality. Um, And certainly possible this is subject to the vagaries of the political administration to a certain extent. So given that this 
administration has repealed decisions made by the previous decision. There's probably nothing stopping a future administration from reinstating the rules. Um, but that that may be sort of a longer term question. Uh, in the meantime, I do think we're probably going to end up with some sort of weird fragmentation where states pass laws uh, re- re- regulating this in some way. The tricky thing is whether or not, like, how is that going to work, right? Like, you have states, but, like, ISPs cross state lines, which should make it a federal issue. Um, so there's some question there. I, I imagine we'll probably see some court challenges uh, about this, and it could turn, I presume, into sort of a thorny legal issue as, um, you know, ISPs uh, contend with state governments over whether or not they're allowed to do this. Um, and I think that probably not every state will try. So I hope for the best, but I fear the sort of, <laughs> I fear the worst. Uh, and that's just how I live my life. So Lisa, what do you think? Uh, like you, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that there are enough challenges to the current boneheaded decision that either there's a reversal on the federal level or there's a court case that uh, points out the impossibility of trying to regulate this thusly. What I think will probably happen is you'll have enough states that pass their own net neutrality laws where companies will begin to subtly pressure lagging states or they'll begin to pressure um, whatever law holders they've law- lawmakers they've bought um, based on something called the California effect. And this is something I read about on a um, conservative think tank where um, one of the big bugbears for a lot of folks on the right side of the political spectrum is the fact that California's regulatory environment is such where if people want to do business in California, they have to follow specific laws, either for environmental impact or for employment um, or, or other matters of public policy. And so a lot of companies are simply like, well, we have to do it this way in California, so we may as well do this do it this way across all 50 states. This doesn't sit well with some sides of the spectrum, but something like a California effect, or in this case, a Washington effect, or a New York effect, or a Texas effect, might be enough to compel a nationwide policy. I don't know. But at this point, you have so many companies that do business in so many different states. Uh, if they threaten to leave a state because they can't get sufficient goods and services, that's enough at this point to influence lawmakers one way or the other. I can't say anything better than that. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I think Sorry. what it boils no 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 this is a very good answer. Um I am also hoping for the best and fearing for the worst. It's a very good the 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 Moran way uh, is a very good way it seems like. Um I I sort of when I read this question that you posed, I had this idea of people with like a bandana tied to a stick and their laptop is inside and they're like <laughs> migrating to, uh, to, uh, I don't know, Colorado, which has fantastic, uh, net neutrality laws yeah. and digital Okies. Just <laughs> yes. And honestly, I think I'd be okay with that. Like I would yeah. like to be one of those people that's on the road. Like I'm just looking for digital freedom, man. <laughs> Riding the mm-hmm. digital rails. Yep. I'm off to find myself digitally at a really high bandwidth. <laughs> when I when I originally came up with this question, my my original hope was, you know, like Dan, I'm like, you know, I hope the FCC reinstates it. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm actually hopeful that like the majority, if not all fifty states, will come up with their own decent laws. Then and then that way we'll have rather than one rule that is vulnerable to attack, we have fifty mm-hmm. that are much harder to get rid of, you know, in mass. So I'm actually kind mm. of like 
optimistic for the future of this, you know, horrible situation we find ourselves in currently. An excellent uh, first half of the show, but I want to tell you all about our friends at Squarespace, who bring you this episode. If you use the offer code clockwise at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea. So if you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, they've got unique domains available, award-winning templates, and so much more. Best of all, Squarespace has an all-in-one platform that handles everything for you, so you don't have to worry about installing folders and FTP uploads. There aren't any patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Squarespace does all of that for you. And guess what? They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you need to pull the the little string that says, help me, I'm not sure what to do next, then they (laughs) are right there and ready for you with their trophy uh, shelf lined with all of their award-winning awesomeness. So... Uh, if you want to go there and create your next great idea, we're going to make it super simple for you. I've talked before about how much I love Squarespace for the fact that they always have the latest and greatest features available. But one thing that I've been talking about lately is the fact that it's so easy to get a podcast started using Squarespace. So head over to their help documents and you can learn more about that and get your own podcast going. Just uh, don't make it like 15 minutes, please. So Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month, but you get to start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use that offer code clockwise to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for our show. Thanks so much, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website, and Dan, bring us our next topic. All right, so this week's obligatory Apple rumor, TM, is that there's a MacBook Air update coming, which surprised a lot of us because we kind of thought that product was dead. So given that Apple may be considering a revision to the MacBook Air, does this signal that perhaps the current MacBook and MacBook Pro aren't quite positioned the way Apple would like them to be? And is this just another sort of stopgap until that happens? Or is this a reversal of the strategy and the MacBook Air will live on for the foreseeable future? Lisa, any thoughts? So I'm I'm actually podcasting this from a MacBook Air. I'm clearly biased. Um and I was kind of I was excited by the news because my husband's machine is dying and I was like, oh, a new MacBook Air in the house. Lovely. Um to speak to your larger uh strategery type questions, uh I think I can't give a smart answer because the people I follow on Twitter are so intensely hyperpartisan and critical about the MacBook and MacBook Pro. I don't feel like I have an accurate perception of um, how those products are landing in the market because the people I follow are not going to be the same as as just the as just bog standard consumers. I think to speak to Apple's overall computer strategy, it's been pretty evident over the last few years that although they still continue to make computers and make money from computers because they're high margin products, they're really shifting away from that as the flagship product in their um, in their business lines. And they have actually begun messaging that to the consumer because you remember there was that iPad commercial that came out recently. And at the end of it, you see um, a little girl who's brought her iPad outside and someone's like, oh, are you, you know, are you doing something on your computer? And she's like, my what now? And it was the, it's the idea that computing's become both pervasive and invisible and laptop computers are just a kind of specialized computing equipment and an overall part of your ecosystem. So I feel like the MacBook Air might be them um, 
launching a product into or, or relaunching a product into the ecosystem now that they've seen uh, how well people are taking to other extremely lightweight and um, almost monofunctional internet terminal type uh, devices that uh, are, are simply part of a larger and more fluid computing system. Uh, once again, an excellent answer. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> hate having to follow Lisa up on. No, I'm kidding. Oh, um, I feel so bad. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's totally a joke. I I love uh, having you on the show. You always have such fantastic uh, points of view, and I think um, with the rumors here. It's interesting, Dan, the part where you're talking sort of like, oh, is this maybe Apple saying that they're not, you know, what they've released so far isn't what they want? So many of these uh, these computers are that, that Apple has put out, like, they – it's hard to – kind of distinguish between them, especially with the way that they've gone with a MacBook Pro and sort of uh, pulling back in order to make it thinner and lighter and uh, fancier and touch bar-y and all that jazz. It's it's an interesting conundrum in terms of how much does a change in marketing affect sort of what the product is and how does it inform what Apple's thinking is. And yeah, I also can't give a very good answer because if this comes out and it's not an incredibly overpowered machine that has this, that, and the other, then you can guarantee that our little Twitter uh, segment of the internet is going to be up in flames because this is not a laptop for them. <laughs> and doggone it, everything Apple makes should be for every single person, especially me. Uh, but I have a, a pretty good suspicion that uh, if they do come out with a MacBook Air, there won't be any admitting of 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 failure or something like that mm-hmm. it'll be courage that they brought back the airline <laughs> you've pushed us to new places and we're pushing a new laptop onto yeah, you um, i i currently have a a 13 inch uh macbook of the current generation uh with no touch bar and it's actually pretty close to a macbook air in a lot of ways it's thin it's not tapered um but i like it a lot uh that said it is still missing a lot and you know to Dan, to, to the first part of your question, I really hope that Apple isn't satisfied with the current MacBook and MacBook Pro lineup because a lot of people aren't. And I I do hope that they bring back the MacBook Air. And in fact, the iMac Pro, like by all accounts, that's that's really solid. You know, they've done a really solid job with that. And I'm hoping they take a cue from that and maybe make a MacBook Air Pro in space gray with a retina display. And maybe they could throw cellular in there. And then and then like the, the icing on top would be a nice black MagSafe adapt- adapter. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> the MacBook <laughs> Justin, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And and as a bonus, a glowing uh, Apple logo. Please bring the glowing Apple logo bu- back. Bu- Justin, I like the cut of your jib. Um, I So it was funny, last week when we were um, recording Clockwise, I was traveling, and so I was using my MacBook Air, which is a 2014 model, but I got it built to order at the time with a Core i7 processor, and so it turned out that when I sat down to edit things on Logic, it was actually remarkably fast and smooth, and I was kind of amazed. Um, so it felt for me like, oh, well, I, I guess yeah. I really don't need to upgrade this anymore, but I'm always tempted because ever since switching to a 5K iMac on my desktop... I really love the Retina display, and of course, that's the one thing that I feel like the MacBook Air is missing. That said, I think you're totally right that there's a lot of dissatisfaction in the market right now with the current laptop offerings. Uh, A lot of time, people are dissatisfied with the keyboard. There are some issues with things being reliable. 
Um, and so it seems clear that Apple does need to keep pushing its laptop line forward. And whether that means releasing a new MacBook Air, whatever that is, just to maybe get away from some branding problems, um, you know, that that might be a possibility. Um, it's also possible they just release something that looks a lot like the updated MacBook Air, maybe without even a Retina display, except I have a really hard time imagining that it could release any new Mac without a Retina display and like have people buy it. So but will it have a headphone? <laughs> there are so many questions. I'm intrigued by this. Um, that could be my next computer at some point. Who knows? But thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic of the day, which comes from Lisa. All right. News recently broke that the Pentagon used a Google AI to analyze its drone footage, which was a move that shocked some Google employees, none of whom had apparently either seen War Games or read Harlan Ellison's I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. So we've opened up the possibility of AI in our defense department. I want you to tell me what you think will happen if the Pentagon starts using Siri as part of its drone operations. And uh, is there a place for Cortana in this brave new world? Well, if it starts using Siri as part of its drone operations, then they are going to fly off the map. And uh, also, whenever you ask a drone what time it currently is, it'll tell you the time two years from now on a Tuesday (laughs) after you've hopped three times and scratched your nose. Um, All of that's to say that the current sort of AI virtual assistant stuff. Um, it's an interesting thing because a lot of times those technologies boil down to, and, and I think it may have even been on this show that we talked about this, but um, th- those things boil down to uh, pretty clear I ask a question and there is an answer available that I can give. And so at the, at the very base of these things, um, they are less sort of quote unquote AI and machine learning than <laughs> some of the more powerful technologies. And so uh, if we're talking about Siri being packed into drones, I'm not worried. We're not going to have the black mirror future where mm. we're running away from robot drone dogs. However, some of the other machine learning technologies and AI stuff out there that we've seen, including a script I recently read uh, written by a machine learning bot after it <gasps> ingested all the Saw films. Um, <laughs> oh, did you a, read the one for Pirates of the Caribbean? Because that one is amazing. I have not, but the <laughs> Saw one was amazing. And if that happens, we're all doomed. So mm-hmm. I guess if if Apple's behind it, I think we're going to be okay. Justin, what do you think? So the thought of anyone counting on Siri for anything important terrifies me. <laughs> it utterly terrifies me. And the reason is that we have a HomePod. And I have two quick little stories of our interactions with the HomePod that illustrate this. First... Several times now, we've asked our HomePod about the weather, and several times now, the HomePod has responded by explaining that it didn't know where we are right now, <laughs> and we, we, we are in a home, and it's only ever been in the one place in our home. It's not like we moved the thing around or live in an sorry. RV or something. It's like, <laughs> no, yeah, right, right? Where, where, yeah. where are any of us every really time... responds? <laughs> oh, God. Right? Yeah, the, the, the other one. The other mm-hmm. one, the other day, I asked the HomePod to add chimichangas to the mm-hmm. shopping list. And it told me that it found a few Mexican restaurants, and it invited me to tap on the one a I tap? wanted. Tap? How? Yep. 
Uh, That's exactly me. Morse code exactly. So, on the yeah. top of the HomePod. You have to tap it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so like Siri being mixed in with anything government related, let alone military related. No, mm. please, God, no. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much of a chance that we're going to see Siri in the in the military. As far as the larger point of AI being used, I, I don't think there's anything surprising about this, as Lisa pointed mm-hmm. out to anybody who's been following, you know, technology and pop culture for the last several decades. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as far as Google goes, um, you know, they, they have a publicly available API, as far as I know, and, and certainly making that available to the government is certainly something that's going to happen. Um I, I don't know what to think about this in the long term in terms of the the sort of more general implications. There are potentially benefits there, and one would hope that that, that technology could be used to prevent more destruction rather than cause more destruction. Uh, again, mm. another good reason not to use Siri. Um, but <laughs> I... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh. I, I think that, you know, it's... It is inevitable that uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, that kind of stuff is going to be used in military technology because that's just how technology goes. Um, And, you know, certainly while I would possibly be opposed to that if I worked at one of those companies uh, on moral grounds, um, you know, it's it's hard to uh, it's it's so much stuff is involved in our giant military industrial complex that kind of everything has has hooks in it. Mm-hmm. one way or another in the technology industry is really no different so i'm not surprised i hope that it could be used for good purposes but again i fear the worst <laughs> that it could be used for bad or <laughs> terribly destructive things as so much technology often is i should admit the question's actually kind of glib because i conflated uh, voice activated um assistance with actual ai where an actual ai is much is substantially different because that's based on uh being able to parse a whole lot of data and and spit back results whereas voice activated assistants are apparently predicated on um training you to behave in, in a very specific oh, way no. well it is you think about it's it true um, yeah no i feel like i feel like the voice activated assistants are training us um However, you know, when I was writing up this this question, it did hit me that eventually the military, if it isn't already, is going to want um, voice-activated commands because biometrics are fantastically secure when done right. And it will also be easier for somebody to shout out commands than it will be for them to try to keep an eye on a battle theater and type into a keyboard and go through a yes-no decision tree and and things like that. I think the thing that sticks with me is the the uh, disingenuousness of employers who are like, wait, our AI was used by the military? And like, like, what did you think was going to happen? Did you <laughs> think that the military was basically just like a really fun bunch of philanthropists with fly uniforms? I mean, they're going to use this for, for, for statecraft. Come on, novels. go watch Real Genius. Everyone, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Every, it's all about, that's the movie about making popcorn, right? With yeah, lasers? exactly. <laughs> yeah, mm. but... Um, it is interesting to see uh, these companies, which uh, have been positioning themselves as, we're fun, we're harmless, we're consumer, we have lots of data, but we swear we're friendly about it, being like, oh, crap, we did that too. <laughs> so there we go. Well, uh, holy moly, we have reached the end of the episode, and we have just enough time for a bonus topic, maybe. But first, let me tell you all about our 
awesome sponsor. That's Casper. This episode, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our friends at Casper. Casper is a company that's focused on sleep, and it's dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Because it turns out that that's how most people sleep. You spend a third of your life sleeping, in fact. And if you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. If you spend a third of your life spinning a fidget spinner, you'd want to make sure you had the best fidget spinner. So how about how having the best bed you possibly Possibly can. That's why you need Casper. They're designed by humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. Ooh, it's got all the right support in all the right places. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver it directly to your door, and if you don't like it, you can send it back with a hassle-free return policy. Not sure that third of your life fidget spinner would work the same way. So I, of course, have talked before about how much I love Casper. I've got the sheets, the mattress, the bed, the pillows, the bed frame, the, the all, like all of it, the box springs, everything. And I even have a Casper blow up that goes into a pool because they once used one of my, they used my review in, in, in a commercial. I love Casper. They're great. They're fantastic. Uh, seriously, the best sleep of my life. You can get $50 towards the best sleep of your life on select mattress by visiting casper.com slash clockwise and using the code clockwise at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much to Casper for supporting our show. And let's hustle through our bonus topic. What is a food, drink, snack, or consumable that you really don't like? It's an unpopular opinion, but I, I do not like coffee and tea. There's just something about drinking hot water that's been run through some plant matter that I just I don't <laughs> find it appealing. Dag, you laid them both out. Coffee and tea. Yeah. As long as we're on the unpopular track here, uh, peanut butter. Come at me, bro. Oh, y'all are breaking my heart. Refried beans. Mm. The texture alone just, oh, God, no. And in the interest of getting punched in the face, I'm going to tell you all how much I hate steak. I think steak is the worst, (laughs) most uncreative food item that's ever existed. It's boring and it's Mm -hmm. disgusting. All right. Thank you all for your answers there. Dan, we've reached the end of the episode and I have just sent away at least a third of our listeners. Uh, So we've done a good job, you think? Oh, yeah. Solid as always. All that's left is to thank our wonderful guests, Justin, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We loved having you on the show. It's been a blast. Thanks. And Lisa Schmeiser, thank you so much for being here. I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Well, Dan, that is the end. I think it's time that we say goodbye. Indeed. But until next time, let's remind everybody, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.